Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to the Vitality Radio Show and the Vitality Radio Podcast. I am your host. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you on another episode of Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio Podcast. As I always say, if you like what you hear on the Vitality Radio Show, go tell somebody. We want to make sure we build this audience, grow it to the point where we have lots and lots more people discovering alternatives to drugs and medical procedures, things that we really want to avoid if we want to have a happier, healthier life, free of side effects from all those nasty drugs. We're going to talk a lot about pharmaceuticals today. We're going to talk about deception when it comes to depression. We're also going to talk about what you can do naturally to help yourself, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with other uh, mental health issues and you want a natural approach, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about why many experts now are saying you ought to be a little more cautious before you just jump on a SSRI. That would be a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. In fact, With the COVID catastrophe that has taken place over the last six months or so uh, in this country, I have been reading articles that have been popping up all over the place where everything is, when it comes to mental health anyway, is kind of getting out of hand. Between just February and March, right at the beginning of all this mess, we had a 21% increase in prescriptions for anti-anxiety drugs, antidepressants, and sleep aids. And I don't even know what it looks like in August, but it can't be better uh, the way things are right now. And yet, we don't even know how well these drugs work. And I'll explain that in a minute. But before I get into the topic of the day, you can also jump on the VitalityRadio.com website, which will soon have a bunch more goodies up there, including the availability of some products that you can actually order, you know, the new fashioned way. We're kind of old school around Vitality Nutrition, and that's okay. We like it that way, but we'll try and get into the new world here. Uh, Not the post-COVID world, that one's scary, but the new world where, you know, people order stuff online. Uh, Anyway, regardless, you can give us a call, 801-292-6662, if you have any questions about anything you've heard on the show. Of course, if you are an iPhone user, I plead with you in the kindest way to leave me a five-star rating uh, and a written review. That really helps to get the word out to more people to listen to the show. So if you like what I'm talking about, uh, like I say, talk about it with your friends and share it with them. I would greatly appreciate it. One more quick bit of housekeeping before we get into the show. Vitality Nutrition this month is 43 years old. I just turned 48 years old last week. So the store, if you do the math, 
five years older than I am. That's how long my family's owned this place. And of course, I've owned it for the last 25 plus years. And it is such a blessing, such a blessing. And I'm, we're so grateful that we're still here. You know, a mom and pop store started in 77, still here with all the craziness that's happened in this world uh, over the years that has driven a lot of little independence underground. We are still above ground and we're still doing okay. We're celebrating our 43rd birthday at the end of this month. Uh, and uh, we'd love to have you involved with that. The last three days of the month, we're going to be doing all kinds of really fun stuff. So stay tuned. I'll get you more details on a future episode. We will make sure you're in the loop on that. Okay. It is time now. Oh, by the way, before I get into this, I have two parts to this show and you know what they are. If you're a regular listener, I have the rant and then I have the topic. Sometimes the rant and the topic are two parts of the same thing. Sometimes they're unrelated. In this case, they are two parts of the exact same topic. We are talking about mental health, depression, anxiety, things like that, and what you can do naturally, and why you may want to be a little more wary of the pharmaceutical approach when it comes to your mental health. That's what we're going to start with on The Vital Rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Okay, as I stated before, there are some alarming reports coming out almost daily about the state of our mental health amidst the COVID-19 catastrophe. As such, I do feel it's a good time to discuss depression and what can be done to positively impact our mental health, especially if you're one who is considering medication or is currently on medication. You may want to listen here. Now, before I go any further, know that I am not a doctor. I'm certainly not your doctor, and I am not paid to give medical advice, nor can I do it legally. And so what I say on Vitality Radio is my opinion. I believe it is a very educated opinion, but it is still only my opinion and is not deemed to be medical advice, or at least it shouldn't be. Uh, if you are on a medication for depression or anxiety or things like that, and you are considering going off of said medication, please, 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 please discuss it with your pharmacist or your doctor to make sure that you do it correctly because it is very dangerous potentially to come off of these things, particularly cold turkey, and I don't want anybody putting themselves in harm's way uh, at all. So just wanted to throw that out there first. An article in Psychology Today by a guy named Leonard J. Davis uh, goes something like this. I'm just going to read a few portions of it. For the past five years, in my recent book, Obsession, A History, he says, I've been questioning the effectiveness of Prozac-like drugs such as, or sorry, known as SSRIs. That's a serotonin, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. I've pointed out that when the drugs first came out in the early 90s, there was a wildly enthusiastic uptick in the prescribing of such drugs. Doctors were jubilantly claiming that the drugs were 
80 to 90% effective in treating depression and related conditions like OCD. In the last few years, those success rates have been going down, with the New York Times pointing out that the initial numbers had been inflated by drug companies suppressing the studies that were far less encouraging. But few, if any doctors or patients, were willing to hear anything disparaging said about these wonder drugs. Now, put yourself in the shoes if you aren't actually one of these people, in the shoes of someone who's been helped by one of these drugs. You feel better. You feel more balanced. You feel like, hey, I've got my life back. Well, that's not something to be trifled with. I can fully understand how that could be a terrifying prospect to think, I'm not going to have this drug anymore, or maybe this drug isn't working. It's just a placebo effect or whatever. Listen, as a guy who runs a health food store who has hundreds of people every year come in and ask about natural things for this kind of stuff, I totally get it. My very best friend in the world was on these drugs for most of her life. And when I met her, she said, I'll never be off of these drugs. I'm going to be on them forever. It's the only way I stay stable. Well, guess what? Two years later, she's not on any of them. She's more stable, I think, than she ever was. She says she feels more clear-headed than she she can remember feeling. So it is possible to do this naturally, but I understand why people don't want to hear anything negative about their favorite drug, the drug that makes them feel as if they've got their life back. I get it. But now, according to Mr. Uh, Davis, who wrote this article, he says, there are five reasons he gives. I'm just going to highlight three that you may want to be a little more cautious before accepting a prescription for one of these drugs. A study in the Journal of American Medical Association, that's JAMA, that's one of the big dogs. It says that SSRIs like Paxil and Prozac are no more effective in treating depression than a placebo pill. Now, wait a minute. The Journal of American Medical Association, that journal, said that SSRIs are no more effective than placebos. That means they are 33% effective, which is the percent of patients who will respond well to a sugar pill. The article goes on to say that although SSRIs are effective to some degree in treating severe depression, they don't have any effect on the routine type of depressions they are most often used to treat. Now, Newsweek put out an article, and I've discussed it a couple times on Vitality Radio in the past, so I'm not going to borrow from that one this time. There's plenty of information about this topic online. I didn't need to look very hard, but they said the same thing. They said that there are many doctors, many psychiatrists, uh, many people in the medical field, not natural alternative guys like me, but medical people saying that SSRIs maybe are literally as good as a placebo. So there's a lot of studies that actually bear that out. And that is a little scary for people who feel reliant on these drugs. Reason two, he says, a January 4th article in MedPage Today cites a study done at Columbia University and Johns Hopkins. The study says that doctors routinely prescribe not one, but two or even three SSRIs and other psychopharmacological agents in combination with few, if any, serious studies to back up the multiple usage. 
The rationale is that if one drug doesn't work, then perhaps two or three will. Doctors are, in essence, performing uncontrolled experiments on their patients, hoping that in some scattershot way, they might hit on a solution. But of course, drugs have dangerous interaction potential. Now, I want to address that because I know a lot of people who are in that boat. Now, some drugs have been put onto the market to be used along with other drugs. Uh, Abilify comes to mind. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's safe. Now, one of the things that's very, very concerning to me, concerning is not a strong enough word. I can't think of one stronger right now, but extremely concerning. Let's just throw that in front of it, is this combination drug approach that many doctors are using. Well, okay, so Zoloft is working, you know, okay, you're getting some benefits. So let's then add this and see if that takes it that next step. Well, one of the things that we absolutely know, we absolutely know is that first going on a drug, a psychoactive drug like this, and coming off of a drug like this, those first couple few weeks in that transition period are the most dangerous times. What we don't know is if you go on one for two, three, six months, whatever, and then you add another one, what the combination of already being on one and then elevating again with another one. And then if that doesn't work coming back off of that one or coming off of the first one, how that all interacts, it's very, very risky in my opinion and ought to be done, well, maybe not at all, but certainly with extreme caution. So if you have a doctor who has prescribed multiple drugs like that, I would at least talk to your pharmacist. My experience with pharmacists has been that they know a lot more about drugs than their doctor counterparts, which is a shame since they're not the ones prescribing them, but that's just one of the 5,000 things I see wrong with modern medicine, especially in America today. But regardless of that, talking to your pharmacist and saying, hey, what do you think of this combination? I think a second opinion right there at the pharmacy can be very, very valuable. And I highly recommend it. They aren't paid to (laughs) go against doctor's orders. In fact, they really can't, but they certainly can answer questions. And I think that there's real value in that. Reason number three, more and more psychiatric disorders are appearing that might be called lifestyle diseases. What was called shyness, sadness, restlessness, shopping too much, high sex drive or low sex drive, and so on have increasingly been seen as diseases, and many more will appear in the new DSM. That's the uh, prescribing book, the Diagnostic Manual of Psychological and Psychiatric Disorders. Increasingly, the criteria for inclusion in the DSM involve whether the disorder responds to a category of drugs. If response drops to one of the key class of drugs that has been considered effective, what does that say for the idea that if a condition responds to a particular drug, then it is a particular disease? Yeah, that seems a little sketchy, doesn't it? So they're going to classify something as a disorder because there is a drug to treat that disorder? That's real backwards stuff right there. But it is modern medicine, and modern medicine is got so many holes in it, it's hard to believe. 
That's one big one though, isn't it? Now, there's a couple of quotes that I want to read, and I think this is important because this wonderful woman, Marsha Angel, what a great name for this lady. She's an MD and author of The Truth About the Drug Companies, How They Deceive Us and What to Do About It. She actually worked for 20 years at the New England Journal of Medicine, 20 years as an editor. And what did she learn in 20 years? She says, in view of the conflicts of interest that permeate the enterprise of medicine and research, it is not surprising that industry-sponsored trials published in medical journals consistently favor sponsors, largely because negative results are not published. Positive results are repeatedly published in slightly different forms, and a positive spin is put on even negative results. A review of 74 clinical trials of antidepressants, for example, found that 37 of 38 positive studies were published, but the 36 negative studies, 33, were either not published or published in a form that conveyed a positive outcome. How do you like that? So 74 studies, 38 had positive results, and 37 of those were published. 36 had negative results. Now think about that for a second. These are studies lined up and created for the purpose of getting a drug approved by a company that stands to make billions of dollars if it is. So all of these studies were designed to get a positive result. And yet 38 out of 74 got a positive result. 36 out of 74 got a negative result. And then what do they do? They just cherry pick. They pull 37 of those 38. I don't know why they didn't put the 38th one out there. And they publish those. And then they hide 33 of the other studies. Just hide them away. Wow, they don't need to see these ones. They just need to see these ones. The ones we want them to see. It's really just a magician's trick. It's sleight of hand. They're very, very good at it. She goes on to say, it is simply no longer possible to believe much of the clinical research that is published or to rely on the judgment of trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines. She says, I take no pleasure in this conclusion, which I reached slowly and reluctantly over my two decades as an editor of the New England Journal of Medicine. In 2002, the combined profits for the 10 drug companies in the Fortune 500, which was $36 billion, were more than the profits for all of the other 490 businesses put together. Over the past two decades, the pharmaceutical industry has moved very far from its original high purpose of discovering and producing useful new drugs, now primarily a marketing machine to sell drugs of dubious benefit. This industry uses its wealth and power to co-opt every institution that might stand in its way, including the U.S. Congress, the FDA, academic medical centers, and the medical profession itself. Most of its marketing efforts are focused on influencing doctors since they must write the prescriptions. That's according to Marcia Angel, MD, 20 years as an editor at the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, What do we know about the pharmaceutical industry? I think we all know, at least on some level, that there's some sketchy stuff going on over there. Now, 
we see the lawsuits, we see the drugs being withdrawn, we hear about families getting making billions of dollars pushing opiates and claiming that opiates are not addictive, and now we have an opioid crisis. We see all this stuff, and we know that they're dirty, at least on some level. And yet, I think we also know that they're, they have politicians in their pockets. Or maybe they're in the politicians' pockets. That might be closer to the truth. And then we know that politicians appoint people like Dr. Anthony Fallacy, Fauci. And then somehow, many of us still trust what he says. And trust guys like Bill Gates saying, yeah, I got a miracle new vaccine coming. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. We have to be so wary. Even this woman who was steeped in the medical industry says it is no longer possible to believe much of the clinical research that is published or to rely on the judgment of trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines. We have to be very, very careful. Now, I bring all this up specifically to talk about antidepressants because antidepressants are potentially the scariest of these drugs because they literally mess with your head, right? And we have to understand that's a big deal. So a little bit more in the rant, and then we're going to get to the main topic. Scientific American published an article saying antidepressants are some of the most commonly prescribed medications out there. More than one out of 10 Americans over age 12, roughly when this was published in 2010, 11%, now it's almost 15% of Americans taking these drugs. And yet, recent reports have revealed that important data about the safety of these drugs, especially their risks for children and adolescents, has been withheld from the medical community and the public. Oh, wait, they're hiding stuff. Yeah, we just learned about that, didn't we? In the latest and most comprehensive analysis published last week in the British Medical Journal, a group of researchers at the Nordic Cochrane Center in Copenhagen showed that pharmaceutical companies were not presenting the full extent of the serious harm in clinical study reports, which are detailed documents sent to regulatory authorities such as the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and the European Medicine Agency, the EMA. While applying for approval of a new drug, the researchers examined documents from 70 double-blind placebo-controlled trials of two common types of antidepressants, SSRIs and SNRIs, and found that the occurrence of suicidal thoughts and aggressive behavior doubled in children and adolescents who use these medications. Now, put yourself in the shoes of an adult, a parent or grandparent, guardian of some sort. You've got a child who is experiencing severe depressive symptoms. And maybe they've attempted or have talked about suicide. And so you think, i got to get them into a psychiatrist, into a counselor, into a doctor, get them on medication, because it's terrifying. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine that feeling. Thank heavens I've never had to experience it. But then the drug prescription that you may come home with actually doubles the odds of suicidal thoughts and aggressive behaviors, behaviors. Yeah, it's information like that that got the black box warning put on all these SSRIs. But why, you know, I don't know if you noticed, I'm reading from 2010, 2016. Some of this was from 2007. I'm 
specifically reading stuff from the past, not because things have gotten better or different. It's all the same. It's that we've known about this for a long time. The FDA put a black box warning on this stuff in 2004, 16 years ago. That's the strongest warning they can put on these drugs prior to the last resort, which is pulling them off of the market. And why does that have a black box warning? Because of suicidal ideations, suicide completions that are higher on SSRIs, and violence, aggressive, violent behavior. This is a real, real problem. I'm taking a little bit too long, so I'm not going to go too much further into that. I have a few other things I could discuss, but I'm going to kind of keep ranting during the primary topic because there's a lot more to talk about. But I think it's really, really important that we understand that this isn't like taking a Tylenol. And you know me, I get it. I'm Jared at Vitality Radio. I'm the guy who right before I did the show, right before I did the show, like literally half an hour, somebody said, yeah, you might want to consider an antibiotic. (laughs) And I laughed out loud. I really did. It was a text message, but I laughed out loud. I said, yeah, yeah, that's what I'll do. And I've got a little thing and I'm just going to take colloidal silver because it's going to be fine. And actually going and getting a little ozone therapy from my favorite dentist, Dr. Paul Larson. Because I don't do that. I don't take antibiotics. I mean, if if my life's on the line, okay. Okay, that's fine. I've had one in my whole life. And it was before a surgery and I didn't have a choice. I wouldn't have taken that one. But it's important to understand that I am the guy who's going to say, I'm going to avoid drugs at all costs, even Tylenol. Yeah, that's me, right? So I get it. You're not probably quite as as extreme as I am on that side of things. But antidepressants, no matter how okay you are with what your doctor prescribes as a general rule, or how little you might question it, this is one you need to question, especially if it's for your child, because there are inherent dangers. And I'm telling you, we don't know how bad it is. That's the rant for today. I'm going to cut to a break. When we come back, I'm going to give you some natural alternatives. I tapped the knowledge base of a wonderful naturopathic medical doctor. And I, uh, it's kind of a 50-50 thing. I'm going to give you a lot of her ideas, a lot of mine, when I come back talking about ways that you can take care of yourself and your mental health naturally, short of medicines, if at all possible. That's what Vitality Radio is all about. I'm Jared St. Clair. I'll be right back. This is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blogger online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. 
What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I am your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio podcast. Back to depression. We're going to talk about it right now. Dr. Talia Marsha Gianni. I'm going to, I hope I'm saying that right. Marsha Gianni. This is not someone I know. I found a really great article though uh, on a natural approach to, to depression and I love what some of the stuff she says. She's a naturopathic doctor, and uh, I'll try to uh, keep it straight for you when she's speaking versus when I'm speaking, but this is what she says. Naturopathic doctors understand that the mind and body are connected. Science has long established the relationship between the digestive system and mood, often termed the gut-brain connection and the connection between the mind, mental health, and the immune system, even establishing an entire field termed psychoneuroimmunology linking depression to inflammation in the brain and body. Psychoneuroimmunology. I really like that, actually, because it ties it all together, which it's always been, but I'm going to talk in a little bit about how it often isn't treated that way. Are we treating depression the wrong way, she asks. When it comes to our uh, conventional healthcare model, mental health conditions are treated as separate from the rest of the body. In mainstream medicine, depression is largely treated as a brain chemical imbalance. It is thought that deficiency in the happy chemicals in the brain like serotonin and dopamine influence mood and must be corrected with antidepressants. Despite emerging science about the brain, emotions, and mood, mental health conditions are commonly viewed as something that has simply gone wrong in the brain. Now, my two cents. This stacks up so beautifully with how modern medicine looks at everything. Let's isolate the chemical that might be missing and put more of it in there. Simple. Or let's hide far away from other people so that we don't ever have to test our immune systems and maybe the infection will just go away. Or let's isolate the virus that may or may not be particularly dangerous and then we'll come out with a vaccine against it because that'll be worth billions of dollars. Yeah, that's modern medicine, right? When did medicine decide, though, that the body, this amazing human body we have all been blessed with, this beautiful, miraculous body that heals itself automatically when it's burned or cut, that builds its very own antibodies to viruses and bacteria when it is challenged by them, this brilliantly constructed body that is 100% connected from head to toe via blood, bones, nerves, etc., when did they decide that overriding the brilliance of God would be the best approach to health? I can tell you, it's actually an easy answer. They decided it when they discovered how much money could be made by doing it. Antidepressants are worth nearly 20 
billion with a B dollars annually. That's plenty of money to mislead and misguide and misrepresent and blatantly lie to you about the quality of those drugs. Now, back to the doctor. Most treatments for depression and anxiety are based on the low serotonin theory of depression. I want you to keep that word in mind because I'm going to come back to it. The low serotonin theory of depression, which roughly states that depression is due to decreased production of certain neurotransmitters such as serotonin in the brain. Following this model, drugs are prescribed to artificially change neurotransmitter levels. While we understand that antidepressant medications such as SSRIs and SNRIs work for some people, we also understand that they only work slightly better than a placebo. When starting SSRIs and SNRI drugs, patients experience an immediate increase in neurotransmitter levels in the brain. Now, this is important. However, it takes two to four weeks before they are noticeably seeing changes in mood. This points to the fact that the proposed mechanism increasing neurotransmitter levels may not, in fact, be how these drugs work. However, it is the in the interest of the pharmaceutical companies manufacturing such drugs to perpetuate the idea that antidepressant medications are restoring the natural chemical balance in the brain, despite a lack of evidence that this is even the case. Okay, back to my thoughts. So here's the thing I mentioned. This is a theory, a theory that doubles suicidal ideations, a theory that has almost 15% of Americans on these drugs, a theory whose drugs have been implicated in over 95% of mass shootings in this country, a theory that may not actually be reality. And now back to the article. This is furthered by a paper published by the Neuroscience and Behavioral Reviews last year that challenges the low serotonin theory of depression, stating that improvement on SSRI medication might be the body overcoming the effects of the drugs rather than the drug assisting patients in feeling better. This may explain why patients feel worse in the first few weeks of starting antidepressant medications. The authors venture to say that antidepressant medication may in fact be creating an obstacle to cure in patients with depression, making it harder for patients to recover in the short term. The authors of the study argue that most forms of depression provide an evolutionary advantage by providing the body with natural and beneficial adaptations to stress. Now that's powerful stuff. Very powerful. So what the Neuroscience Behavioral Review study is saying is that SSRIs may actually be causing people to feel worse, and then when they start to feel better a few weeks in, they think they're feeling better than they did before they went on the drug in the first place, where that may not actually be the case. And how do they explain that you get an immediate uptick in serotonin when you go on an SSRI the first day and yet you don't feel better for a few weeks? If it is a neurochemical problem, if low serotonin is the cause of your depression, then increasing serotonin should fix it. Because all SSRIs do is they keep serotonin circulating in the brain for longer. If that's all the problem is, 
Prozac, Zoloft, they should work immediately because they do work immediately, but they don't provide relief immediately. That's a big, big problem in the theory that they're working on there. But of course, you'll never hear that from the medical experts, or at least not most of them. Okay, so the doctor goes on to say, how do we beat depression naturally? Since we understand that our digestive system and immune system are linked to our mood and overall functioning, it becomes imperative that we learn how to fuel our brains, improve digestion, balance inflammation, and take proactive measures against the increasing levels of stress. Science has largely started referring to the digestive system as the second brain. Maybe you've heard of that. If you haven't, it's very interesting because there's actually more activity going between the brain and the gut, the gut and the brain, than any other two parts of the body. There's something called the enteric nervous system, a collection of millions of nerve cells that control digestive function and communicate directly with the brain. Because of this intricate connection, research has shown that irritation to the digestive system through bacterial overgrowth, gut inflammation, a variety of other mechanisms can trigger significant changes to mood. Since 30 to 40% of the American population suffers from digestive symptoms such as bloating, flatulence, GERD, otherwise known as acid reflux, IBS, constipation, diarrhea, and inflamed bowel disease, this connection is important. Really important. Now, at Vitality, I often get a confused look when I start quizzing my clients who are complaining about depression, anxiety, OCD, ADD, PTSD, and so on. I start quizzing them about what's going on with their digestive health. But I'll ask you to quiz yourself. Ask the same question. What's going on with your digestive health? If you have any mental health issues, if you deal with depression, anxiety, motivational issues, OCD, ADD, and so on, do you also deal with gut issues? How do you feel after you eat? Do you feel gassy or bloated? Do, are you regular? Or are you constipated? Do you have diarrhea? Do you have constipation and then diarrhea? Do you feel bloated or distended after meals? Do you struggle with acid reflux? Do you belch a lot or have a lot of flatulence? These are all questions you need to ask yourself if your brain seems to not be working because if your gut is not working and it talks to you so much louder than your brain does, I think. If your gut's not working, your brain is going to tend to follow suit. After all, 90% of serotonin is made in the gut and probiotics are increasingly being discovered to play a unique and important role in producing brain chemicals. It is critical to understand that if the gut is not healthy, the brain is not healthy either. So what do you do? First off, do things to reduce stress in the gut. Eat healthy foods that do not create inflammation. If you don't know the difference between an anti-inflammatory food and a pro-inflammatory food, you need to learn it. And I would highly recommend you look at Dr. Weil, W-E-I-L, his food pyramid, anti-inflammatory food pyramid. That's what it's called. You can Google that, anti-inflammatory food pyramid, and it'll pop right up. There's pictures, which are great, but get the one that has four pages of, of uh, written information as well. There's a lot of good information there, and it's very, very valuable. If you didn't know that some foods cause inflammation and others do not, 
some are actually anti-inflammatory, then you need to know that and it will make a big difference in your overall health. Remember that 85% of disease in America is inflammatory in nature. So we've got to reduce the inflammation if we're going to be healthy. And we know that brain inflammation is involved in really serious stuff like Parkinson's and MS and uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, and so on. But it also is involved in anxiety, depression, and so on and so forth. So very, very important to look at the gut first. If people are struggling with their gut, or if they have a long history of antibiotic use, even if it was way back when they were little, in fact, especially if it was way back when they were little, then I always recommend my favorite probiotic. It's called Just Thrive. And I recommend something that nobody wants to hear, but you need to hear it because it is just the truth. You got to take it for six months. You're going to notice benefits before six months is out in almost every single case. But it gets better and better and better because in this case, unlike what I talked about with the SSRIs where they work immediately to kick up the serotonin, you're talking about 100 trillion little guys down there that are supposed to be hanging out and doing their thing and building up our immune system and building up our brain power and building up our gut health and so on and so forth. And if you have way less than that, it takes time to build it up. It's literally moving in some bacteria and they're setting up shop and they're growing and that's what we need and it takes time, okay? They're kind of like rabbits, but there has to be a lot of them. So six months on Just Thrive, absolutely. But I expect people to feel better, even with mental health, within the first one to two months. And that shocks people when they hear it. But when they feel it, they always come back and thank me. It's pretty cool. And then, as I said, regularity. If you're not regular, meaning you're not going to the bathroom, having a bowel movement at least once a day, preferably a couple times or a few, but at least once a day, that is a real problem for your brain. I know it sounds weird. I get it. And I'm not saying that's where your brain is. I know where it is. But if your bowels aren't working, your brain doesn't work either. You got to get the regularity right. It's a big deal. It's very important. If you are dealing with constipation, which a lot of Americans do, thankfully, something I'm going to talk about in just a minute, and I've talked about a lot on Vitality Radio, magnesium can actually help. Also more fiber, more water. If you're not drinking at least half your body weight in ounces of water, you got to get that up and get the magnesium up. That helps a lot. If you have more questions about that, please ask us at Vitality. Another thing that I highly recommend, because it's just good for you in so many ways, including your gut and including reducing inflammation, is whole leaf aloe vera juice. I love the one from Aloe Life, my favorite aloe company. Amazing, amazing stuff. But again, if you have questions about any of that gut stuff for your brain, which I know sounds a little strange to some, some of you. It isn't. It all makes sense scientifically, I promise. Give us a call and we'll help you out. 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Now, Dr. Marcia Gianni continues. She says that we need to focus on essential nutrients and adequate nutrition. And of course, she's beating the same drum I beat there. If the body doesn't possess the building blocks for building hormones and neurotransmitters, it won't make them. While SSRI medication keeps brain serotonin levels elevated, guess what else it does? 
It also depletes the vitamins and minerals responsible for producing serotonin. Supplementing with quality brands and correct doses of vitamin B6, folate, and vitamin B12, as well as magnesium and zinc, and ensuring adequate protein intake is essential to treating mental health conditions and mood. Some sources state that 70 to 80% of the population is deficient in magnesium, and I brought that up before. Since magnesium is needed for production of a variety of hormones and neurotransmitters, a deficiency can cause an array of symptoms from low mood and muscle pain to leg cramps to constipation to insomnia to fatigue. Getting a high-quality magnesium and taking a therapeutic dose as well as the right kind of B12, it needs to be methylcobalamin optimally, or adenosylcobalamin, that's good too, but not cyanocobalamin. Also B6, but preferably with a form called P5P. And folate, not folic acid. Those are all big deals. They're all important. It's a lot of details, I know, but that's why you can call us if you have questions on this. I'm going into a lot of stuff it's probably too detailed for you to write down while you're driving down the road if you're listening on the radio. That's another reason why the podcast can be useful. Sometimes you can listen while you're actually sitting down, not driving. But anyway, she recommends that you do, you get all those supplements, make sure your nutrition is met. It's very, very critical. And then she rolls straight into fish oil. A meta-analysis in 2014 concluded that fish oils are effective at treating low mood and even patients diagnosed with major depressive disorder. Since the brain requires the fatty acids EPA and DHA found in fish to function, ensuring an adequate intake of fatty fish or using high EPA supplements at an effective dose is a cornerstone of natural treatment for depression. Potency matters. Episode 37, I believe, of the Vitality Radio podcast is the one I did specifically on omega-3. It is part of my vital five, as are probiotics, because these are things that you've got to have to function at your optimal level. And guess what else is? Magnesium. You'll hear about these things a lot on Vitality Radio because they're just so commonly not at the right levels in the population. So, omega-3, I want to make sure you understand this. It's really, really important. If you want to learn more about omega-3, it's fascinating stuff. I did a bonus episode just a couple of weeks ago. Prior to that, I did the full episode. But this is the nutshell version that's really important. The biggest mistake that people make with omega-3, in my opinion, is not buying the low-quality brand, although a lot of that is happening. You're seeing a lot of people buying omega-3 at Costco and Target and Walmart, places like that. You can do better as far as quality, but it's potency. The vast majority of omega-3s on the market have 300 milligrams of omega-3. It'll say 1,000 milligrams of fish oil, but it's not 1,000 milligrams of omega-3. It's 1,000 milligrams of fish oil, of which 30% is omega-3. And if you look at the studies, for overall health, 2,000 milligrams are needed, which means you need like seven of those capsules of a regular omega-3. Nobody wants to swallow seven big capsules of omega-3. But there are other other alternatives that work really well. But in mental health, what we know 
is that most of the best research shows about 3,000 milligrams and sometimes as high as 6,000 milligrams for things like ADHD, PTSD, uh, traumatic brain uh, injuries, and major depressive disorders, bipolar, things like that. Omega-3 is a big, big, big deal, and it needs to be at a big, big quantity in order to function the way that you really want it to be. So at least 2,000, but if you're dealing with depression and things like that, I recommend 3,000, and I recommend really experimenting with higher doses than that to see if you can get the right dose for you. And do it for at least a couple of months and do different doses for at least a month at a time to really give it a chance. Because the omega-3, it takes a little bit of time, unfortunately, much like the probiotic. You got to kind of fill that omega-3 reservoir and get it where it needs to be. But if you do, you will reap the benefits and you'll get all these side benefits like better digestion, better eye health, better brain health, not just neurological stuff that we're talking about, like noticeable things like depression and anxiety, but actual brain health, like prevention of Alzheimer's and dementia and things like that. Incredibly good for the cardiovascular system. So lots of reasons to use omega-3 and use it at the right dose. My favorite is called Vital 5 Omega. And the reason it is, is part of my Vital 5. I was able to discover this omega-3. It's not our formula, but I was able to uh, co-brand it with another company. And it's an amazing product. It only takes three capsules a day to get 2,000 milligrams instead of seven, like your typical fish oil. And it has astaxanthin and CoQ10, which are powerful antioxidants for the heart and the brain and the eyes. Awesome stuff. That's a great one. Uh, I also love one by a company called Nutrigold. Nordic Naturals makes really excellent omega-3s. There's a lot of really good ones, but you want to get one that requires the least amount of capsules so you're not having to swallow a handful if you're dealing with depression. Uh, and uh, there are many on the market now in health food stores. And of course, we have them at Vitality Nutrition where you can get away with like two to six capsules. I know it still sounds like a lot. I know there are also liquids though. But isn't two to six capsules better than seven to 21 capsules? Yes, it is. And isn't it better than feeling depressed and anxious? Yes, it is. So you got to take a lot of omega-3, but it's a big deal to do it. And it does help. Another thing is what's called adrenal fatigue. She goes on and says that uh, adrenal fatigue is brought on by extreme stress. And if you don't know anything about adrenal fatigue, that's one you ought to look into, and I will bring you a show on it. I need to do a whole show on adrenal fatigue. It's a fascinating topic, and it's important. We're under stress, massive amounts of stress, maybe more than ever in America right now and across the world, really. And that's not typical of how we've been over the last few centuries. It's typical of how we've been over the last half a century or so dramatic, extreme stress that comes at us from all angles and we are having a hard time adapting to it. And so our adrenals get fatigued. And when our adrenals get fatigued, we struggle with neurological function. We struggle with physical energy. We struggle with sleep. And the three things that you can do to calm your adrenals and give them a break are get at least seven to eight hours of sleep at night if you're an adult, nine to 10 if you're a kid or an adolescent. And school's going to be really weird this year. You might be homeschooling your kids if you've decided that you're not dealing with the mask thing at school or whatever else is going on. And that's great because your kids can sleep in longer. That's so good for them. They're not lazy. They're kids. And that's important. But if your kid is not going to be in regular school, he's going to be doing tele 
teleschool or computer school or whatever you want to call it, online school. That's kind of good too. Maybe that's one little blessing, little nugget you get out of this COVID thing. There's always golden, golden nuggets and silver linings to this stuff. And maybe your kid can finally get enough sleep instead of having to get up at 6.30 to go to school after going to bed at midnight because of homework. I don't know. Regardless, sleep is a big, big deal for your adrenals and quit overstimulating yourself. Over 90% of Americans are using caffeine every single day, including a ton of kids. You see 15-year-olds walking around with rock stars. Come on, man. 15-year-olds should have plenty of energy. You don't need the rock star. Now, when you're 48, it's a little different, all right? (laughs) But still, we got to take the caffeine down, get the sleep up. And perhaps most importantly, if you can, you discontinue some of the things that are creating a lot of the stress. You know, reducing stressors in your lives, is it even possible? Well, you tell me. Do you need to hear every news update, check your social media every 15 minutes, watch suspenseful TV and movie shows, especially late at night before you go to bed? Do you have unfruitful relationships that you can jettison in favor of people who provide calm and support? instead of confusion and frustration. I'm guessing that you probably do. Sometimes that's not easy. Believe me, I know. But sometimes it can save you. Other things that you can consider, meditation. If you are like me and meditating is hard, there's a great book. I'm halfway through it. It's called Meditation for the Fidgety Skeptic. It's by Dan Harris, and I love it. Not all the way through, but I'll give you a little book review in a couple of weeks when I'm done. And after I've started actually using his techniques to see if I can learn how to meditate, because if I can learn how to meditate, you can learn how to meditate. I also highly recommend yoga, even though I don't like it. I need to learn how to do it because it is powerful as well. There are so many other things that you can do, including, of course, good counseling, mindfulness, things like that, which, of course, meditation can play a major role there. And then the last thing I'll mention, and I only have a minute here, is if you're struggling with this stuff and you don't like the idea of having to wait for the probiotic and the aloe vera and the omega-3s to kick in, you're really struggling, you need support right now, there are things you can do. L-tyrosine is an amino acid that I absolutely love. It's a direct precursor to norepinephrine and dopamine, and as such, is works right now. You can take it in the morning on an empty stomach with vitamin C, and when you do, it gives you a natural conversion to dopamine and norepinephrine, better energy, better mental focus, and more feelings of, "Ah, everything's okay, man. I feel good. Tyrosine is extremely cool stuff. I recommend 1,000 to 1,500 milligrams a day in the morning. Some people take it again in the afternoon with vitamin C and B6. And if you have questions on that, give us a call. And then at night, L-tryptophan, which converts directly to serotonin. So it works kind of like SSRIs. But you know what's great about tryptophan? It's natural. It comes from food and your body can actually shut it off if you've got more than you need. So you never get too much serotonin with tryptophan. It's not going to make you crazy like antidepressants can. It's just going to help with balance. It helps you sleep deeper and more peacefully, wake up feeling more refreshed. Then you get that shot of dopamine and norepinephrine in the morning from the tyrosine. Now, if you're on pharmaceuticals for depression, talk to your doctor or pharmacist before you try these other things. Remember, I'm not your doc. But if you're not and you're looking for natural alternatives, these are really, really great alternatives that work right now but you still should be doing your omega-3s, your magnesium, your aloe vera juice, 
your probiotics, these things to build the gut and get what you need done in the, at the very bottom of this thing is the gut. And that's what feeds the mind. And that's what helps you with healthy neurological function. I have to go. Thank you for your continued support, for your listening ear. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. I am Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.